Man, I'll tell you what, watching students perform and use the gifts that God's placed inside of them. Um, it's just an unbelievable opportunity, and thank you to all the coaches again and parents and the congregation right here at Victory that supports, loves on these students, makes sure that they are here for practice and all of the events and provides finances to get these students um, where they need to go. And so thank you to Pastor for giving us the opportunity to honor all of these students tonight and celebrate as a church. Well, tonight, um, I want to share just for a few minutes. My son turns three on Thursday, and um, so we had his birthday party yesterday, and I don't know about you if you're a parent in the room, but birthday parties just for us become reflective moments where we just pause, we begin to think about the journey and how far they come, even as a three-year-old. And so Brittany and I took a moment, and I was going to read the list, but we took a moment and just began to, to talk through the people who have had a spiritual impact in our child. At three years of age, in about five minutes, we came up with a list with 97 names. People in this church, people that are family, people that aren't family, that are just friends, that have taken little moments to invest into our child. And it got me thinking that with this whole idea of raising children, this entire idea of next-gen ministry that starts with our infants and the babies in nursery and moves all the way through to our college students. I think oftentimes we try and just shoulder this burden, even as parents by ourselves, or even as pastors. I know that uh, serving on staff here for as long as I have, there have been a few moments in my office where I just want to beat my head against the desk. What are we doing wrong with this student? How can we help them? But I've recognized that it's not one answer, it's not one solution, it's not one person that can physically give a child, a student, everything they need to develop into who God created them to be. And how valuable it is that all of us have an opportunity, whether we're parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, single college student, single to old person. It doesn't matter if we have kids in the church or we don't, we all have an opportunity to invest into the next generation that's been on this stage that's in our kids' service right now, that's in the nursery right now, we all have an opportunity to be a part of that story. And so tonight, I just want to share for a few brief moments, I may go longer than Tyler Kendrick, and I don't know why we put him on stage before Pastor and I get to preach for a few minutes. But tonight, I just want to encourage you. I just want to take a few moments and us unpack this idea of what does it look like for us all to be a part of this journey of investing in the next generation. And it's not just for those of us who have passed our, our prime or passed our season of being students, but also to the students. Because we can invest all we want, but if students aren't ready to receive, there's going to be a gap. So tonight I want to talk to both parties and we're going to journey into the Old Testament in uh, the book of 1 Samuel as we look at how we can accomplish this. And we're going to talk a little bit just about the story of David. David's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. And I think a big reason that is is because for many of us, we can find ourselves at some part of David's story. <laughs> 
Maybe when he messed up, maybe when he was hanging out in the farm and raising cattle or somewhere in between. But we can identify in David's story. And so tonight, we're going to talk just a little bit about David's relationship with a guy named Samuel. And I believe that this is such a beautiful uh, picture of what we can do to invest in the next generation and what the next generation can do to receive from the older generations. You know, we talk a lot about David's victories and when he went to fight Goliath and when he found himself in the field fighting off a bear and a lion, or even when he made his mistakes as king and the great moments of his kingship. Many would consider David to actually be the greatest king in Israel's history. But David's story isn't the smoothest story like many of us in the room. But the first thing that we have to do before we can really dig into this story and really use it to challenge our hearts is we have to figure out what season God has called us to and where we place in this story. See, I think that this is something even for myself recently that I've been trying to figure out, God, what season am I in right now? Because you move from these seasons three years ago, we didn't have kids. And so I remember even serving as youth pastor here, a middle school pastor over the years, parents would look at me in the face and say, well, you don't understand because you don't have kids. And I remember that would irk me a little bit. And if you're in the room and you said that to me, I forgive you. Because you were right. <laughs> Something takes place when you move into this new season. Now, the moments, the patterns that we have in our household are not just affecting mine and Brittany's relationship, but now they are being passed to the next generation. And if we're not careful, we can really mess up this exchange. Which means that this is important for us to figure out, God, where have you called us to? What season am I in right now? Because not, only, not all of us can be David sitting out in the field watching the sheep. Not all of us can be hanging out in that season of David's life. Not all of us are in our prime where we're going to bat and we're going to fight Goliath. We may think we're still in that season, but God's raising another generation that are going to take down the giants we see. And then there's others of us that we begin to step into the season and maybe we don't fully understand, but God's calling us to a season to be a Samuel. And Samuel, had he not been obedient to God's call and God's voice, the baton would have never been passed to David. So we're going to pick up in Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And it's this, uh, and I'm just going to read a few verses here, uh, picking up in, in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, I think that this is such a, a big piece of the story because it's not that just Samuel showed up by accident, but Samuel was being obedient to God's voice. And if we as the older generations are to invest and do our part to invest in the next generation, we have to be listening to God's voice and we have to be willing to be obedient. And so it goes on, and, and, and Samuel shows up, and, and he invites Jesse to come alongside uh, with his sons to the sacrifice, and Jesse did not even invite David to the ceremony. And then what do we see? 
Jesse begins to line his sons up, and God speaks to Samuel and says, don't look as other men would look, but look at the heart. Look at who I have already chosen to step in and to be king. See, Samuel was obedient to God's voice, and we see this in chapter 16 all the way down to even verse 13, and it says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. See, Samuel was obedient to God's voice. Samuel was instructed not to look at what others may look at, but to look at the heart. Jesse, as a parent, even missed out because of his preconceived idea of what it took to be king. He didn't even bring David to the ceremony. See, I don't want to see our generation, the generations that are no longer students, no longer in kids' ministry, no longer in youth ministry, no longer in college ministry, I don't want to see our generations miss out on speaking life into the next generation because we've got our own set of ideas of what it needs to look like. We can get this all mixed up. And what happens when we get this mixed up is we become like Saul in this story. See, we watched Saul when David went to kill Goliath. What was Saul's first thing? He handed David his armor and said, put this on because you need to fight the battle the way I would fight the battle. Saul then began to be enraged when he figured out that God had removed the anointing off of his life and placed it on David's life, and he went after David to kill him, the next generation of leadership. See, when we don't understand the responsibility that God's called us to invest in the next generation, when we don't understand the season that God is calling us to, to speak life into these students, to speak life into the infants in nursery and the kids in kids ministry and the middle schoolers and the high schoolers and the college students, when we don't fully grasp that, we'll end up ruining what God has already ordained to take place. See, it's our role to speak life into this next generation. But students, it's your role to receive that. See, we can encourage you all day long. We can speak, we can mentor, we can help to shape you. But if you're not willing to receive what God has called you to do, you'll never have the opportunity to have the kingship that David had. But see, God has created each of you. I love what Tyler said. Even even before you were created, there was a calling on your life. And it's your opportunity to receive, and it's our opportunity, it's our calling to give it. Now we also see, and we're going to jump on down in the story, and see not only did Samuel take part in David's story by anointing him, but Samuel also became the place of safety. See, our second thing tonight I want to talk about is to, that we need to be a place of safety, and students, you need to find a place of safety. See, we pick up in 1 Samuel 19, and this is the exchange where Saul becomes enraged and he seeks to kill David. He's ready to, he, he's put out a call for all of his men, including his son, to go and kill David. But for the sake of time, we won't read all of, all of this passage, but I want you to hear this in verse 18 of 1 Samuel 19. When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel. 
See, church, we have a great responsibility, is, and that's that we need to be a place of safety. There's enough things trying to kill this generation for us to try and kill them ourselves. There's enough things that are attacking this generation and trying to suck the very life out of the future. We must become a place of safety, not a place of rejection, not a place of harm, but a place of safety and security. Students, there's enough things out there trying to destroy you. I'm going to encourage you right now to pattern your life to run to spiritual safety before it's too late. So many times I've watched over the years students who struggle and they're going through things. Life happens. And you begin to go through that as a student and you have no understanding of where you can run. Because if I run to mom and dad, then I'm going to get in trouble. Well, sometimes trouble with mom and dad is the best thing that could take place in your life. Discipline in your life will help to keep you on the straight and narrow that God has called you to be on. Youth pastors, youth leaders, small group leaders, nursery workers, all of the people that are investing into your life or have in years past. I have a three-year-old son, and we're at a list of 97. How many more people have had a spiritual impact on your life? There is not an excuse that you've got no place to run and nobody to talk to. Because there are people who have been praying for you before you even stepped foot and breathe your first breath. So we have to create a place of safety and students, you have to run to a place of safety. I want us to just think about this thought as we close. What would church begin to look like if we broke out of our comfort zone and we began to build these relationships to see this take place? What would life look like? I'm not saying that everybody needs to run and sign up to serve in next-gen ministry, although we would love that. From our early childhood all the way through college ministry, we would love more people to be on board with us. But a simple hello and a simple conversation can start the trajectory change in a student's life. Every service, we have an opportunity to stretch across the aisle and hug a neck and shake a hand. Yeah, how many services do we go to the same people and shake the same hands and hug the same necks? I remember some of the people that I even think about and reflect on in my life that have had an impact. Our grandparents that were in our church in South Carolina that still to this day, I had an opportunity to speak there in June. And there's a, there's a brother Richard, we knew him as the candy man because every Sunday he had those little strawberry candies in his pocket. And I knew that if I went and saw him, he would hug my neck and slip me a few pieces of candy, get me through church. It's not good enough to say, well, my kids aren't here. My grandkids aren't here. There are necks that need to be hugged, kids that need a smile and a handshake and a conversation just to ask them how they're doing or great job today. Hey, I love seeing you worship. See, when we begin to speak life and they receive life, we are putting them on the path to where they will love church. They'll never want to depart from the fate that we've instilled in their life. And then when trouble does come, all of a sudden they have a place to run to that is safe and secure. We have an opportunity to do that. But will we do it? That's the question we have to ask. Because I can tell you, we get busy. There are things that are trying to pull our attention in every way. Now, as a next-gen pastor, I probably should say this, but 
Sorry if I get in trouble. I believe there's no greater investment you can make than in our young people. Yeah. We have incredible ministries that stretch all across the city, all across the globe. But if we miss this exchange up, we're in trouble. But we have an opportunity, and I believe we have the brightest young people all the way from the babies, and I'm partial because I have one that's in the infant nursery, all the way through to our college students. We've been given the gift. What are we going to do? And students, are you ready to step out of your comfort zone and seek out mentors in your life? Seek out somebody that would take time and, and take you to lunch and, and check you out of school maybe even every now and again. That's what it takes to have somebody invest in your life? Then do it. I've always tried to pattern my life. Who is pouring into me? Who are my peers that are helping keep me accountable? And who am I pouring into? And if we'll live in that lane, we'll see generation after generation continue to serve the Lord and love him as long as we're pointing him in that direction. So I want to challenge you. Speak life and receive life. Be a place of safety and run to a place of safety and security when you are needing help. Keep your eyes on the Lord. I'm going to close and we're going to pray as pastor gets ready to come. Father, we thank you just for all of the individuals that are here tonight, represented the families, the next generation that is here. God, we know that you have given us a great responsibility and we humbly accept that. God, we pray for this next generation of students that are coming up. God, their calling is great. The challenge is great, but you've given them everything they need to survive and everything we need to continue to invest and empower them. May we do it graciously and give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Give it up and let him know we appreciate the message. So it's a tag team. Here we go. I'm going to need a little help tonight in the sharing of the message. So stay with me. If, uh, if you are from 53 to 71, I want you to stand. From 53, and help me out now, I need you to stand between 53 and 71, all right? Young people, turn around, take a look. 53 to 71, I want you to know those are your baby boomers right there. 53 to 71, you may be seated. All right, here are the Gen Xs, the Gen Xs. If you are between 37 and 52, you stand up. You are the Gen X generation. There you are, 37 to 52. Come on, those are the Gen Xs, that's good. That's good. All right, let's see. Are you from 17 to 36? You stand up. 17 to 36. All right, 17. Give it up. Those are your millennials, everybody. Right there, the millennial bunch. If you are 16 and under, you stand up, okay? <laughs> 16 and under. You're called the boomlets, the boomlets, or Generation X boomlets. Isn't that amazing? All generations, I, I say we have a pretty good mixture of individuals. But, but let me tell you, just as you stood up, uh, there is a difference in the way each generation thinks. For, for example, that vast difference, baby boomers generally, and what I studied, don't trust many people over 30 years of age. They just don't. Baby boomers, here's some that Gen Xers are suspicious of baby boomers' values. That makes you say, well, and so, so we already have a difference in the way that we think. 
um, Gen Xers are suspicious of the boomers, and the millennials, they're just members of a global society, you know? (laughs) They're just glad to be here, and, uh, you know, here's the thing. A baby boomer would show up at work at 7 o'clock if that's when you start, and and they would work and work overtime, et cetera. You know what millennials do? Said, well, you know. I'll get there. I'll get the job done. Don't worry about it. I, I had to go buy Starbucks and pick up a cup of coffee and come on in and enjoy life. Don't sweat it, you know. I, I don't go to lunch at 12. I go to lunch when I get hungry. It might be two or three. And when I get done, you know, I had to go have coffee with somebody. That, that's a millennial. That's a millennial. That's just the way. But listen, does that make them bad? No. Makes them the creation of Almighty God. And I'll tell you, all of those age ranks and above make up the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the church has to face. So when you look at it from my vantage point, Josh and I got together, you see the chasm of of ideology that the church has to deal with. The uh, boomers don't think like the millennials. The millennials don't think like Generation X and the boomlets. Uh, They don't think like any of them. Uh, None of those put together. And as it relates, where does it come down to in worship? Now, I know that some of you saw these uh, dramas up here, and you didn't get it. But I promise you, these young people, they got it because that's their world. And you, you think and you say, well, do we want them in church? Well, if we want them in church, those of us who are in the older generation, we need to act like it. We need to love them and let them know that we appreciate them. You see, their worship... I was over at the youth division on Wednesday night, it was a week ago, and I walked out, I mean, the music is going, and I had some person who was way up in the boomer category, I don't know why, Pastor, they have to have that music, and they stand up, and they jump up and down, what's up with that? I said, because that's their generation, that's how they react, and they have a place on the campus of Victory Church, amen? That's important. Their worship style, their music, the lighting is different. They like the, I don't understand it. I don't know, I don't understand. But I got to tell you, I'm not the generation that's going to pick the mantle up as Josh suggested and move it forward because my life one day is going to evaporate, but I want to be certain as a leader that I left behind a rock-solid group of young people that say I love the church and I love Jesus Christ, and we are going to carry on. Ed Setzer, he wrote an article in Christianity Today in the church. He said, He stated, the church is not dying. Yes, it's in transition, he says. But transitioning is not the same as dying. Transitioning. Do you know that hymnals have not shown up in this sanctuary until the sisters brought them in tonight? You say, well... We sing, I had a church that called me one time, a very prestigious church, an anchor church for the general council. We'd like for you to consider being pastor here. This is a number of years ago. And, and I said, well, I'm, I'm not interested. Well, would you please just talk to us? No, I don't want to. Thank you. Call me, call me again later. A friend of mine called me and said, would you at least talk to him? Okay, I'll talk with him. Here's what he said. The guy said his name was Bugsy. No, I can't handle that. Bugsy said, Pastor Black, we just want you to know that we're not like a lot of other churches. We don't like singing courses off the wall. 
I said, well, what do you mean? I, I don't like singing them off the wall either. Well, what do you mean? He says, I mean, you know, where we have our hymnal and we don't like the courses. We don't like the courses that's off the wall. Well, guess what? You know what they're doing today? <laughs> they're singing courses off the screens, off the wall, and anything that they can get their hands on. Do you know why? A generation of young people left there and went somewhere else and left them with a whole church full of boomers and beyond. You see, it happens before that you know it. He said, it's transitioning. I don't want to be a person who's considered a gatekeeper. I don't know what God's up to and how big God is. I want to be a facilitator. I want to say, God, I want to flow with the flow. He stated in that same article, 80% of Americans are finding more fulfilling things to do on weekends. Well, hello, 80% of Americans finding something more fulfilling of things to do rather than going to church? I believe that's a pretty good stat. But the church said, well, bless God, if you don't come and do it like we do it, we don't care whether you come or not. And that's why that in that same article, he said four to 7,000 churches close their doors every year, but the Southern Baptist Convention said, oh, no, we did a survey across America. We believe that there are between eight and 10,000 churches closing their doors every year in America. Eight to 10,000. 80% more fulfilling things. Can I suggest to you the church is in a crucial stage, but it's not in an anxious stage. All we have to do is to have the heart of Jesus Christ and say, whosoever will. All we have to do is to be tolerant of one another. All we have to do is to say, you're as important as I am, and your views may not agree with my views, but let's get God's view, whosoever will. Amen? Whosoever will. We all work and love together. We understand that. And then I stated with you earlier that 3 million individuals, churchgoers that attended church just last year, this year, uh, they don't go to church anymore. They are called religiously unaffiliated. Well, there's a danger signal there. The Pew Research says every day, get this now, every day for the next 16 years, 10,000 new baby boomers will enter retirement. Every single day for the next 16 years, 10,000 baby boomers will enter retirement. What does that mean? It often means a lack of committed in faithfulness. It means a lack of tithe. It means a lack often of individuals stepping to the plate because I'm retired now. I don't have any young people in the group. I don't have, I don't have the energy that I used to have. May I suggest to you, if you can't see the handwriting on the wall with those kind of stats, then we're hiding our head in the sand. I believe, yeah, we are in a transitioning stage in the churches of America. But I believe that there are some salient focal core values. One is Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the same yesterday as he is forever. He died on the cross for my sins. He has redeemed me. He's preparing me to go to heaven. I intend to go to heaven. It is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I believe all of those things with all of my heart. You see, the startling facts are a little bit uh, 
could be a little bit challenging. But Victory Church is a strong church. It's a church that engages the Great Commission every single day. We need about 20 more in the Kiwanis deal on Thursday night. That has nothing to do with the civic organization. It has everything to do with the Dream Center that's saying we believe that people the Dream Center minister to are valuable and important. And that organization is stepping to the plate and saying we're joining ranks with you. Some of them may not know they're doing something supernatural because it stops someone from spending eternity in hell. Victory is a strong church. It's not a perfect church. But it is God's church. And my goal as a lead pastor is to endeavor to cast a vision, to maintain a course that we can reach just one more soul for Jesus Christ every single day. By sharing the visioneering, by preaching from the pulpit, it's the portion, it's, that's the only part that we need. We must give the assurance that we accept one another generation after generation. And we expect here, listen, the older generation, you know who you are which is supposed to be mature enough to understand the younger generation, to give them room to grow, give them room for their identity, give them room to be accommodated, and give them room to be accepted in the church that they call church too. And then far too often, far too often, we in the older generation, we hold our ground and we are intolerant toward something that doesn't fit our mold. So I'm recommending and asking the older generation to open your arms wide to the younger generation and do everything that we can to encourage them. And if we fail to do that, we will be just another number in the future of a closed church. But there's something else. The younger generation should respect the wisdom and authority of the older generation. You see, that older generation didn't get where they are by mistake. They got there where they are by facing circumstances and sometimes circumstances that were unbearable, making hard choices. But that older generation, young people, chose not to give up. It is the older generation which has provided a place for worship that we can come here tonight. And it is a gift to the younger generation to say, here, you have it. And we work together, the focus of Victory Church is to endeavor to say God bless you and amen to the older generation and thank you while at the same time opening the doors to the edginess of a new and younger culture and be certain that first they feel accepted. Secondly, to know that they are a part of something bigger. These young people have no idea that they're a part of something bigger than they could ever imagine. You know what encouraged them? About 70 of them or so went to Anaheim, California. They merged, they merged, and when they got there was, I don't know, seven to 12 to 15,000 other young people. You know what? That was a powerful, powerful group of young people that got together when they saw young people from Mexico, some from Hawaii, some from Georgia, some from Arizona, some from Texas, some from Illinois, some from Minnesota, some from Michigan, some from Maine, some from Iowa, from all over the nation coming together for one purpose and one mind, and that was to honor God with their talents and their gifts. And it encouraged them and said, we are not alone. We are not alone. And I can tell you this, my friend, you sent the finest group of young people and you, all of you, helped us get them there and we were so proud of them. We didn't fudge on anything. We said, we're placing our money where our mouth is and our young people, you young people have a wonderful time and they did. 
And they did. You see, Ecclesiastes, thirdly, is there are generation, a generation, this generation of young people are the only ones that's going to lead us to the future. Ecclesiastes, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. A Texas pastor, he was in a hurry after work. He had to go to the mall to get a few things. He had to get his daughter, pick her up from school, and take her home. He had a board meeting that he had to attend a little bit later on. And the rest of the evening, he was going to spend in counseling sessions. And once he got in the mall, he saw an advertisement in the music store that said in the window, assigned two CDs for $9.99. Two CDs for $9.99. He thought, wow, that, that's a great bargain. I, I, want, I want to go in there. He went in. He got the two that he wanted, stood in line got the two CDs, threw his money around, ran into somebody that he knew. He's talking to them. The cashier cashed him out, gave the change back, of course, picked up receipt in the bag, got into the car. As he got in the car, the receipt fell out of the bag, and he looked at it, and the receipt said $1.99. He thought, wow, $1.99 is supposed to be $9.99. And in that moment of time, he thought, wow, I'm in such a rush and he thought, I need to go back and tell that clerk she made a mistake, but I don't have time right now. And a voice spoke to his heart and said, you don't have time not to do this. You have to go back. He said, I got out of the car. He rushed back to the store, stood in line to get the cashier. He got to the cashier. He said, listen, I'm in a hurry. I'm on the move. And you made a mistake. She said, sir, I, I didn't make a mistake. He said, yes, ma'am, you made a mistake. Look at the sign, 999. And look at the receipt here. It's $1.99. You made a mistake. She said, sir, I said, I did not make a mistake. He said, ma'am, you made a mistake. She said, let me tell you, sir, if you'll just be quiet for just a moment. She said, last week, my whole world was falling apart. My life was in shambles. I didn't know what to do, but I was raised in church, and I'd gotten away from church and gotten away from God, and he hadn't been a part of my life, and I made choices and decisions that I'm having to live with now, and it all kind of caved in. And she said, I looked into the directory of, of the phone or online and found a church, and I went there on Sunday, the church that was closest to my house, and I went there on Sunday, and that preacher preached on integrity. And it moved my heart and my spirit. She said, sir, that church happened to be your church. And she said, I wondered, I wondered, does he just preach that on Sunday? Or does he really live that? So it was no mistake that I charged you $1.99 when I should have charged you $9.99. Nine. She said, I don't even know what question to ask, but I know this. Whatever it is that you have, I know that's what I need. That's what I need. She began to weep. Her boss lady came up and put her arms around her. She was a Christian and prayed, and the pastor and the cashier prayed the sinner's prayer with her right there with people still in line. I saw that story. 
I thought, what if that pastor had not gone back? What if he would have said a later time? What if he would have said, I got other things I need to do, legitimate things? What if he would have said another day? But the Holy Spirit spoke, and he just had to go back. Those of us that are older, we're going to get one shot of these young people. We can't put it off. We can't try another day. We can't be too busy. And you young people, you're going to get one shot at living your life as a young person right now to grow into a mature adult. Because before you know it, you'll be an older generation. You'll have children. You'll have busy schedules. And the church of Jesus Christ has to have both of us, the older generation and the younger generation, paying attention to that little voice of God that says this is what you have to do. So may the blessing of the Holy Spirit rest on all of us. And may we remember we cannot put off what needs to be done now for the glory and the honor of the Lord. We crowned honor stars this morning, these little honor stars. The little ones in white, they're through fifth grade. But the ones in the red, they're seniors in high school. But it seemed like only yesterday they were in the white dresses. And now they're grown. You were an honor star. They're grown now. Young ladies embarking in college. Listen carefully. With everything that I have, as I continue to fill this pulpit to endeavor to lead you and to encourage you, I intend to see the presence of the Holy Spirit be passionately real in the life of every single person. But I can't be a referee between the generations. And I can tell you, I believe Victory Church has a great big old heart to accept whosoever will and tolerate one another in a Christian way to say, thank you, Jesus. We got some young people hanging out at Victory Church. Amen. Would you stand? Amen. So, bow your heads. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your care. We know that this has been just a different service, and we, we enjoyed it. It's unusual. And God, boy, these older people, this generation, millennial or Millennials and those in the, in the boomer generation, God, they, they showed up. They said to these young people, we may not understand all the stuff you do, but we're here because we love you. And they've shown that. And I know because many of these young people are going to go into the camp next week because some older people stepped to the plate. And God, the young people ought to feel comfortable asking an older person, can you help me? God, wow, if we can do something to help them, to encourage them, who knows what you might do. Lord, we saw Tyler Kendrick tonight. What a great word that he brought us and did it all in about five or six minutes. God, which would have given more time in the service if that's five or six minutes to take the offering. How wonderful would that have been? I just ask you, 
seal in our hearts a commitment to love one another and to love Jesus and to applaud our young people who some of them don't get the love that they need and deserve sometimes at home. Let them come to church and know when they get here, they're going to feel the love of Jesus Christ. Bless this service, bless our youth, and meet every single need in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So where are we going now on the schedule? You want to sing one song? Sure, do one song of celebration, and then we're going to roll, right? Rock and roll, right? Come on, can we stand to our feet tonight? We're going to go out and just celebrate what the Lord has done. Come on, get your hands together.
what he's done. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. We love you, Victory Church. We hope to see you back here Wednesday night. God bless you all.